You're listening to Emma Nash, Screen Queens. Hello, you're listening to Emma Nash, Screen Queens, in which you tell we tell you what's shit and what's less shit, so you should definitely spend some of your shit time watching it. And we also say cunt a lot on this podcast. Warning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ash. Here is Em. <laughs> when you say we, Ash, I think you actually mean you. Because Don't I be think a hater. mine... I'm never a hater. I'm never a hater. It's your thing and I'm 100% behind it. Anyway, hello. But you and I are very, very clean mouthed in comparison. Good morning, good morning. Hello, Stuart. How are you? Hi, Stuart. Hello. I'm okay. I'm... I, I am clean mouthed when recording for the most part, but behind closed doors, filthy potty mouth. He's a filthy boy, Stuart. What, um, what, well, I'm hanging out. Actually, I'm not hanging out my ass. I feel okay, but I'm probably just still drunk. Emma, you're hanging out of your ass. I am because I went to go and see my, um, friends. We were very efficient, though. We sat and drank rose and organized a trip to Paris. That's exciting, isn't it? Got everything sorted out. <laughs> God, so it whilst drunk but, um, yeah sorted out the does, does that include all of the new <laughs> fun on... visas and things you'll need or well we've pushed to be honest we've had these um train tickets now for about i think 15 months or something stupid obviously i think they were probably booked prior to the great pandemic of 2020 or maybe we hopefully booked them thinking things would be over quicker than, than of course they have been idiots so push them back <laughs> <laughs> Pushed them back to October and have booked a slot on a houseboat because I have Lovely. a friend who has a houseboat in Paris. So there you go. Managed to do that. Drank on the rose. It came back and ended up getting dragged into watching Below Deck season four, which has now landed on Netflix with uh. husband with a bad taste whilst drinking copious amounts of Australia post the rose. So yeah, not feeling great, <laughs> but. It's a lovely day outside. It's been disgusting. So we're going to whip through this, aren't we? So we can all go and enjoy Efficient. some sunshine. I'm going to go get in a hammock after this with my breakfast wine. I'm going to go. Because the weather has been horrendous up until today, hasn't it? It's been so cold. And we have April another week of rain after this. We just have eight days of rain in a row. You know your weather apps will only tell you seven or eight days. There's just no light at the end of the grey cloud. 100% chance of showers. Emoji, whatever it is. Oh, it's so, so David's boring. birthday plans, so partner bored. with a good shouts. Birthday plans are going to be a washout because I did not. There is there is no wet weather alternative in this climate. We cannot go inside anywhere, so we will be playing no, golf although... in a shower. <laughs> although we can, what what's the date today? It's the the ninth. So it's the seventeenth, I think, or the nineteenth that we're allowed inside. Eight days. Eight days, and I and we'll be allowed inside with our friends. And look at that! We can, as we always say, we can record. I know in where I'm. Yeah, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm ordering. I know where I want to sit. Like the day it happens. Wow. Have you got somewhere booked for the seventeenth? No. Uh, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Why would I do that? Not that organised. What day of the week is it? Stuart, have you? Is the seventeenth a Monday or is it a Friday? Is it a Monday, probably? Yeah, be a Monday. Yeah, that makes more sense. Some, I had a conversation with someone the other day. They wouldn't saying, do it on a Friday. We'd go absolutely mental. <laughs> <laughs> we can't We'd be, all be holding underground. We'd all be holding underground raves. Still, definitely yeah. to book something, although we probably will sit, in, sit outside still, so. Because you're uber grown-ups. Well, none of us, we, we're not vaxxed because we're not grown-ups, so it's going to take us ages oh. to get vaxxed. Oh, well. Some of us are. 
They're the doing el- everyone. The elderly in- among us. The elderly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the more, the more We're next. We're the next age group. So they did the 40s. You got done in the 40s, and they're going to pull it down to 32 and over, I think. Which oh, will that's be us. good. Nice. Yeah. And you will be offered alternatives, won't you? You'll be offered We might be able to get the one shot. Oh, yes, yeah, shit, no. Yeah. Which is ridiculous, yeah. guys, because if you want to listen about why the patriarchy is shit for the 500th millionth time, <laughs> they put us on birth control pills from the age of 15, which have a 5,000 times more chance of giving us life-ending blood clots. Half the women in this country take them at some point in their lives, and no one gives a fuck. There's a, there's a, there's not... one in 100,000, isn't it, that you'll get a blood clot with the... AstraZeneca, I think, isn't it? So I think it's a 0.005%, but the pill is a 0.05% or 0.5% or something. It's well over 100 times more likely with a certain type of um, pill. Not entirely sure, though. It's you true. Can say that the, hey, no, 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 no. I know, no, I know all of that. I'm a grown up. I was on the, you know, I was on the pill, so I know that. But I'm just saying, I'm not entirely sure you can say the patriarchy put us on the pill, because if anything, I would like. Oh to my god, I have a podcast for you to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> the contraceptive pill surely freed up us women, because then we could take control of our sexuality, and we weren't permanently being knocked up barefoot and pregnant. Well, that was one good part of it, but yeah, Thanks women's medicine. Much. No one gives a fuck. Shall we move on to what we're talking about this week? <laughs> we have. We're starting we off. So much, we watched so much this week. We're spreading it over two weeks, aren't we? That's what, yeah. that's what an exciting week. That's because it's been so cold. All we've done is sit we've inside. We've just been sat inside. So we have um, a very dark, uh, scary thing called Them, which I found on Amazon. Um, and then Emma has seen another round, which won the best um, foreign language film Oscar this year. Then those two have watched Invincible, so it must be about a superhero of some kind. Um, and they've also watched The Mitchells versus The Machines, which looks like a fun animation. And we're going to finish on Things Seen and Heard, which you are not allowed to say anything about until then. Shush, do not say anything, Emma. Um, we thought we'd get the dark and scary one out the way first. Em, did you try an episode of them? Sorry, no, I didn't. But can I just ask you a quick question? This is it's related to things heard and seen, but not no, James Norton. Stop. No, 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 shush. no, no. James <laughs> Norton's in it, okay? And this reminded me of how much I like James Norton in War and Peace, which is one of the best adaptations that's been on TV for ages. This then led me to Lily James. And I've got to ask you two guys, have you seen the pictures that nearly broke the internet yesterday of Lily James and Sebastian Stan, i.e. Bucky the Winter Soldier, as Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson? Because she is unrecognisable, and that looks like fun. She is unrecognisable. He's less of a good Tommy Lee than Machine Gun Kelly was. <laughs> Fair enough. But then Machine Gun Kelly, you'd cast Machine Gun Kelly as everybody, wouldn't you? Anyway, I'm sorry, no. Ride that till it died. Anyway. <laughs> I did not see them, because you told me it was scary, and I don't like scary. So I did. I haven't watched an episode of them, but you're going to tell me I should do, aren't you? Because it's, it's going to be it's it's... important. It's so, I'll tell you what it's about first. So them on Amazon Prime created by little Marvin. I love people with fancy monikers. They're like Madonna. They don't need real names. Um, They look like they've done a lot of sort of, not a lot of actually, a few sort of heavy, hard hitting things. The timers now, F-stops, very artistic. Um, And I think, 
I, I can only see a side profile of this guy. So I'm not sure it's the guy talking. So when you go onto Amazon Prime, you'll see that there's like 10 episodes of the actual show. And then there are three or four very short, two or three minute films with some of the cast and the creator about what their characters are and why this was created and what the backstory is, which you should definitely whip through um, at the end. It's a very important story. Um, but the creator was telling us that the idea for this came from not seeing uh, black people in horror films when they were growing up. He loved the genre. So that's what he set out to create. But this story is set on, on the backdrop of racism in the 50s and 60s in America. So a black family moves from the deep south. So decades after um, all the slaves were freed, obviously there's still this residual racism. It's not a nice place to be living in the deep south of North America. So there was a big black migration, families moving up and away into the more woke sort of areas of California. This family moves to Los Angeles into what looks like the same neighborhood that's um, in Edward Scissorhands. And they are met with a load of Stepford housewives and their testosterone roided up men that have just come back from whatever war they were forced into. Nobody wants them there. They are vilified, tortured, tormented. Um, but there's also this side story, which that's one part of the horror. So there's lots of different types of horror in this. There's a side story that all of the family seems to be dealing with some kind of mental health issue. And that's where the supernatural element is introduced. So some of the family's mental health issues, perhaps they are generational, shall we say. And then there's also the kind of supernatural element of the place they're in and what it used to be. Is there a curse on the place they're in currently? So lots of different types of horror. There is horrendous violence in it as well. But the real horror of it is just living through because thankfully racism is still horrifically rife. Thankfully, we seldom see people on our doorsteps being beaten to death because they're black or being called all sorts of horrendous names that you would go to prison for these words coming out of your mouth. And this is just commonplace in your workplace. Your neighbors say it to you. The milkman says it to you in this story. And that's the really shocking kind of other aspect of the horror. Which section completely turns into kind of an American horror story type series halfway through and then back again. Um, so there was a lot of brilliant stuff happens in the second half of this series. Action. So we see that a lot with these long, dark, intense series that they just feel too long. But the problem is it takes you too long to get into them and you lose people. So they did lose Partner With The Good Shouts. I stuck with it and I was super happy I did. M muscle through the first few episodes and then stuff picks up and it gets good. I have to talk about the actors in this. So first off, the dad, um, Ashley Thomas, is an English um, actor. He went to the Brit School of Performing Arts. He was in Top Boy. That's the only other thing I remember him in. But the mum in this, Deborah Aorinde, or Irind, uh, she plays Lucky, the mum, and she very well plays what looks like a middle-aged housewife with two kids. Bitch was born in the same year that Stuart and I was. She is 33 years old. She is also from England playing a brilliant 
a tortured American housewife. She is fucking incredible. And I hope I'm saying her surname right, Deborah Irinde. She was in Girls Trip, she was in Harriet. She is gonna be bloody amazing, so keep an eye out for her. Um, we've also got the only face I recognize was Alison Pill playing the worst of the worst of the Stepford housewives. Um, that Canadian actress, she's been in things like Scott Pilgrim versus the world and Milk. So she's kind of the most famous person in this. She was most recently in Devs, I think, which we talked about on this nearly a year ago, that sort of spooky murder um, Silicon Valley AI Ooh. with Nick Offerman. And she does play, she, she does play a, a sinister role very well, does Alison Pill. I'm no. sure she's a delightful person in real life, but she does evil excellently. She is disgusting in this. And again, I remind you to go back and look at the really short two, three minute films that they have um, up for grabs on Prime when you finish the series, because she explains what's behind her character. And you, because you, you look at her and all you feel is hatred, you're a horrible cunt. And then she explains how she got into the character and the other side of that character, which might make you think of a slightly different facet i don't want to say have sympathy for her because you absolutely shouldn't but yeah it's very interesting so stick with it maybe be on your phone for the first few episodes because you'll get it you'll pick it up you won't miss a lot but it really it goes full american horror story crazy towards the end and it's really good and really dark and i like this new sort of avenue horror is taking you're kind of bending the genre of what is horror it's not just slasher films it's the horror and terror you feel in different daily situations and around different sorts of people i liked it a lot but it's long and slow to start with but that's on amazon prime them it is certificate 18 and it fucking should be <laughs> <laughs> okay. let's move on to emma's very fancy grown-up danish oscar winner <laughs> Danish Oscar winner, another round, or originally, I believe, called Druk. There you go. That was my best Danish accent Druk. for you, which is Druk. That was its original name, then another round. And um, this is directed by Thomas Vinterberg. And he gave an incredibly touching speech at the Oscars, actually, when he won at that sort of strange ceremony, because there is a story behind this, which is kind of relevant in that this was based. So the premise of, of this film, another round, is you've got these four high school teachers male high school teachers and on one of their 40th birthdays they're all having dinner and they discuss this theory from a well-known psychologist that if you keep a blood alcohol con blood alcohol content level of 0.05 at all times <laughs> <laughs> i kind of thought this is like us through the pan pandemic then basically you are more relaxed you are more creative you're more happy it's a theory that we were all born with 0.05 too little bac so they decide to, to, to you know, to, to try this out. So to keep a low level of intoxication at all times. And this is the premise of the film. And it was based on a um, play, I think, that, that Vinterberg did. And also he talked a lot to his daughter about it, Ida, because there is quite a drinking culture in Denmark amongst youngsters, amongst teenagers. And this starts off with this kind of massive drinking race they're doing all these 18-year-olds and the castmates in it, because it is a bit of a Dogma 95 film. So it's, you know, been sort of, it's a creative process with the actors, some improvisation, and these are real life castmates of his daughter because she died four days into production in a car accident. Thomas Winterberg's daughter. So they changed 
and he's talked about this in interviews. And so instead of making the, the film they were going to make, I think they ended up making a film that is more life-affirming and so hence becomes a slightly more optimistic film, I think, than they set out to make. It's not okay. entirely optimistic in many ways. I mean, you know, these guys, so these four men take on, you know, take, take on this idea they're going to drink. Some of them do it more than others. Some of them are drinking more than Some of them cope with it better than, than some of the others. But it is Mads Nicholson's film, really. He is front and centre playing Martin, who is really in a midlife crisis. And I think as a person in their late 40s, I appreciated this this film for that. You know, this is about people who feel like they're stuck in their marriages, they're stuck in their lives, they're stuck in their jobs. They've all got good, you know, they've got good jobs, they're teachers, they've got happy lives, they've got, theoretically, everything should be going for them, but it doesn't necessarily mean so because, you know, you're, you're really looking at yourself and the choices you've made as to how you've got to where you've got to. So that's, it, it, it raises those questions in the first half. And then, it, and it doesn't, and it, not an awful lot happens in this film. It's just um, beautifully acted. And I've never seen Maz Nicholson dance, but he, in the film, he is an ex jazz ballet dancer. And I don't know if you. If jazz ballet. Life. Jazz <laughs> ballet, I know. It's a bit like jazz flute, isn't it? Jazz and, um, flute, as I think. Jazz, jazz flute. He does. He he dance. He dances at the end. They they have this scene with with these guys who are graduating, and he and he joins them in dancing. And Mads Mikkelsen dancing is one of the absolute highlights of my entire year so far in terms of what I've watched. So another round. I managed to see a screener, but I think it's going to be landing on Amazon Prime quite soon. It is obviously in Danish. It's subtitled. It deservedly, I think, won best foreign language film at the Oscars. It was also, Thomas Vinterberg was also up for Best Director. And um, it is relatively accessible, I think, for a Dogma 95 film. And just anchored by this amazing central performance, which makes me very excited, actually, that Mads Nicholson has now replaced Johnny Depp in The Crimes of Grindelwald in the, um, oh, you know, the Fantastic Beasts franchise. So Grindelwald, now that poor old Johnny Depp has had to, well, maybe not poor old Johnny Depp, Remains to be seen, but Boo. now Johnny Depp's had to can no can no longer be in it. Mads, Mads Mikkelsen is, and I'm excited to see him in that. So yeah, I I really like this because it's a film about people my age, and it's a film about drinking, which I love to do. Perfect. And um, yeah, exactly. It was a, it was it was a really really sure. It ended up being a very joyous way to spend to spend nearly two hours. And like I said, when you know the story, you know, the story behind it, and so it's made. It, 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 at the front, it is, it's now dedicated to Thomas Winterberg's daughter. And like I say, there is this idea of, of, of just grasping life while you can, because it's fragile and make the most of it, whatever that may be. Nice. Yeah, I like means the being sound... drunk all the time, do it. Well, I do. I like the sound <laughs> of those, um, the slow indie kind of shoegazing mumblecore films where nothing really happens. You're just looking in on people living their lives. I enjoy that. That's my favourite kind. And I think, as I said, when I was watching Borgen as well, you do also have the joy, of course, of looking at gorgeously designed Danish houses and just generally beautiful Copenhagen. I do like I do like some Danish design porn and I do like, um, yeah, like I say, that that whole kind of beautiful archipelago, which is obviously the, you know, Copenhagen with the islands and the sea and it's very pretty. Lovely. 
lovely. I might give that a go then. Not today, because I can't read today because I am full of alcohol still. Um, <laughs> another time. Yeah, yeah. When I don't need to go and sleep it off in a hammock outside. Yes, because this is not one you can watch on your phone, obviously, Ashley, because you'll need, unless you are fluent in Danish, which last time I checked, nah. I don't believe you are. <laughs> no, I'm not. So uh, another round, check it out. It's a sort of tragic comedy life-affirming shot oh, of inspiration. Speaking my language. We need to go there. Should we go there on our on our cast trip when we're allowed out? <laughs> what, what, to Copenhagen? Is it cheaper than, where were we going to go that was really expensive? Reykjavik, that was it? Was it after Some watching? Shit like that. Um, Reykjavik. Yeah. I feel like it was, I, I feel like it was our fire saga. Yeah. I, I wanted to go and sing a, a Spiegel note while looking at a narwhal. That's what I wanted more than anything. <laughs> I wanted to go and leave some things for the elves. I just to go the elves, the elves. hear you. They went too far. <laughs> the elves went too far. <laughs> I haven't seen that film in four months and that is too long too long, too long. um shall we move too on long. to your first fun uh we're, we're moving on listeners if you want a 20 minute break i'm kidding <laughs> to the m and stew segment in which we talk about animated <laughs> things about superheroes and or superhero related adjacent topics but invincible this is definitely a fucking superhero thing Yes. Yeah, and, and Stuart <laughs> needs to take the lead on this. Okay, so um, Invincible is another animated adaptation of a comic book series. Um, it's following the sort of popular trend uh, we've seen recently in print and on the screen of what happens when superheroes go wrong, aren't held account for their actions, or who aren't what they seem. So... This follows the the events of Mark Grayson, a normal teenager, except for the fact that his father, Nolan, is the most powerful superhero on the planet. So he's kind of like a, 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 another, another universe's version of Superman. So he's got the whole alien origin story. He's come from a different world. He's married a human woman. They've had a child together. So it's a hybrid between the alien race and himself. And on his 18th birthday, his, or shortly thereafter, his powers begin to blossom. And so he has to start making a decision about what kind of hero he wants to be, but at the same time deal with the reality of his father, his role in everything, some of the things he does in the first episode, and how that then has ramifications throughout the whole series. Um, to add to that as well, so it's it's from an, it's from Image Comics. Image Comics um, was where it was originally published, um, in its print form, and that's the same uh, publishing house that brought us the likes of The Walking Dead, um, Spawn, and Kickass. Ooh, Emma, was this a uh, wild children's choice, or did you choose to watch this yourself as a grown-up? Oh no, it's an eighteen. Mm. Oh fuck it, they like stuff like this. Uh, they, yes, they do. Um, yes, yeah. They, um, actually, I tell you who's loving this the most, and that's husband with the bad taste. And I said because. We were having our bums on seats, socially distanced, outside pint, weren't we, two weeks ago? And both Stuart had been saying how good this was, and then Yozzy, that we used to do bums on seats with, had also watched, was also watching this, and she also recommended it. So with that double recommendation, we got into it, and we are watching an episode a night, and it is insanely violent. It has, as Stuart says, it has that kind of 
the boys vibe about it in that you know the superheroes are not necessarily entirely the good guys and the end of the first episode is pretty shocking i love the way that they do the titles they always the, 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 it's called invincible and the way they do the title is he it, it gets bloodier every week the word invincible is just there on with yellow on blue and each week there's more blood around there's more blood around it and they have some really cool post-credit sequences as well and the voice talent is spectacular uh, going back to the title as well invincible and the way they show the blood splatter on the title they also very cleverly do this thing so they cut away from the dialogue of a scene when they get to the key word of the sentence, which is invincible. So they'll oh, say... Oh, you were going to say cunt, and then I got it. <laughs> yeah. No, and he'll be like saying, no. Jesus Christ, what do you think? He's not exactly invincible, but it cuts to the total time for invincible. Oh. So it's quite good. Like that. It's, it's clever. It's yeah. pitchy. Yeah. And you've got, like I say, the, and the, the voice cast, so you've got Stephen Yeun, who we were talking about on our last... Uh, episode because of course he stars in Minari and X Walking Dead. Yep. So yeah, another time back to the Image Comics thing. Yep. Yep. Um, and then J.K. Simmons is playing Omni Man. Sandra O oh plays his mother, who I'm only four episodes in so far doesn't appear to have any any powers. We also have Zazie Beats. You've got Walter Goggins, Zachary Quinto, Jason Ooh, like Manzukis. It's just at every voice. Julian Jacobs, X of Community. Every voice you'll know oh. from somewhere. And um. It's sharply plotted. It's got this kind of, the animation itself is quite retro, I think. It's got this kind of 80s, I don't know, I wouldn't know how to describe it. It's not like, it's like maybe cell animation, I suppose. Stuart it's not would. Fancy. <laughs> Stuart will know how to, how to, it's not fancy animation. It's quite retro animation, but with this very modern sensibility. And yeah, extremely, it's yeah. the most violent yeah. animation I've ever seen. The animation I like style, I could sort of, I could put a parallel towards modern, um, animation in DC comics. So, for example, uh, the DC comic adaptations, rather. So, for example, you've got um, Young Justice, which is a series that's out there at the moment. It's it's a slightly more mature toned um, cartoon again, probably uh, targeted at young teenagers or oh, sorry, older teenagers, young adults, whatever. Um, but it broadcasts on, I think, it's on the CW in the states. But that that's got some good storytelling and a very similar style of animation. I think it's really interesting. It's not particularly funny, I wouldn't say. It's darker than that, but it's got, you know, but it's it, it it's there's a lightness of touch in the scripting and there's a deafness and um you know and and you've got our hero Mark Grayson is also having to you know get through the normal struggles of teenage life as well. So there's you know romance and bullying and that kind of thing. It's we are really enjoying it, and I'm really pleased that, that I got round to taking Stuart up on this recommendation, and particularly husband with the bad taste. I haven't seen this excited about anything for a long time, so that's really good. It's all on Amazon Prime, all first, all season one available, I believe. That's correct, yep. isn't it? It's not dropping. Yep. It doesn't drop. All available, and I guess they're making a second season. It has been right, greenlit so for a Stuart. second and a third season. Hi, Caramba. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's this superhero thing, isn't it? We'll be talking. Well, I don't know if we will be talking about it because um, I've watched half of the first episode, but maybe next week we'll be talking about Netflix's Jupiter's Legacy, their first the first program they've made from the fact that Netflix spent, I think, twenty five million on the rights to the Millerverse. Oh, wow. Is it the guy who did Kick Ass and Kingsman? And this Jupiter's Legacy is the first, and it's you know, it's very 
fancy in terms of production values and that kind of thing whether or not it's worth watching i don't know but superheroes does seem to be the new black ashley you can't escape from it i'm very sorry it's because we're all we've all got we've all got all the feels from when marvel released their um their let's go back to the cinemas people that was, trailer yeah that gave me goosebumps actually if you've not seen it go check it out it's uh basically it's a promotion for phase four of the marvel cinematic universe where they basically just throw onto the screen all the things that have happened all the things that are going to happen in the next what two three years so everything yeah. from like um black widow um doctor strange Future guardians Versus. of the galaxy three i think yeah. the eternals the marvels Thor, yeah the marvels is captain marvel um it's got her it's likely going to have her sidekick who we saw um get her powers in one division and also Rambo. yes yeah and then also a character who we've not seen on the screen yet, who is Kamala Khan, who is a Muslim superhero who takes on the title of Miss Marvel and she's got crazy stretching powers. There you go. But they do, and I know you're not, but yes, yeah, seek it out on YouTube because if you don't get prickles when they show you the footage of people watching Avengers Endgame for the first time in the cinema, you're not alive. And I'm directing that at you, Ashley. If you don't cheer up, you're not stupid. Stupid. <laughs> so moving on. So we yeah, so that's in, that's invincible and that's all available on Amazon Prime. Moving over to Netflix, we watched a movie, a Netflix movie called The Mitchells versus the Machines. And I believe that Stuart also watched this too. We watched this as a family, and for once, remarkably, completely age appropriate for my for my children, with it being a PG. And um, this is a new animation that comes, I believe, from the minds behind the Lego movie and something Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse. There you go, which was which was brilliant. This is quite, to me, it's not quite as good as either Enter the Spider-Verse or the Lego movie, but it has that same kind of anarchic animation feel. It's basically the idea is that AI has gone rogue. So, you know, you have this character who's sort of playing a sort of Steve Jobs type who has created our phones just to get better and better and better. And, you know, we're, we're completely relying on them. But what he doesn't know is that behind the scenes, the phones themselves have been gathering power and they basically turn their entire robot army to capture everyone on Earth. They're going to send everyone on Earth up to space just to die and they will be able to live on Earth with no humans. And we're left with one family to save the world. And that family is the Mitchells, who are your typically sort of dysfunctional, sort of slobby dad, who's not terribly, you know, effective in any way. Um, a teenage daughter who is leaving to go to university and is feeling not seen or understood by her parents. Her dinosaur-obsessed younger brother. And, um, a, a, you know, and a typical mum figure who is voiced by Maya Rudolph. The dad's voiced by Danny McBride. Um, nice and the daughter actually, yeah the, the, again really good voice cast in here but um the daughter is, is voiced by abby jacobson who you may well know as bean in the um matt groaning disenchantment the latest disenchantment and she she voices princess Tiavini. it's it was super enjoyable and the style of animation was like nothing i've seen recently it was a it was a real mismatch it might have been a little too manic for some tastes but my teenage the twins in particular absolutely 
got fully into this and that's quite unusual for them so i think i think it is it's designed for teenagers yeah. but let me know what's let me let me let me hear what stuart thinks so when when you say manic i think that's pretty much spot on i mean it, it really sends up a lot of the ideas about how kids these days and of course some adults still post kids these days kids these days i'm only 33 i shouldn't be saying these <laughs> things fuck's sake i'm old now get off my lawn um sorry i digress relax sorry yeah kids these it's days an angina pill <laughs> so yeah a lot, it, it seems to have a lot of sort of cutaways in in it so for example they might have a still frame of a scene but they won't just have a still frame like you might do um in a film where they just have a little bit of narrative over it, it it's a still frame and then they put it through a filter effectively so they put lots of silly doodles on it and all sorts of stuff things that you'd see on instagram when people sort of do funny things and silly things with their pictures so it's very um clued up with what uh, young people these days like and are up to on the internet um and, and the fact that the ai gone rogue is basically just a disgruntled personal assistant so it's like your uh, sort of analogy for siri or for Google Assistant. Siri is sick of your shit, basically. Exactly, yes. It's sick of, of being your bitch and uh, is, <laughs> is going gonna, is gonna to take the, the world hostage and, and enslave humanity. Judgey Diego came in, by the way, to write on a piece of paper for me when he to remind to remind everybody. He said, "It's a true story. That's not strictly true. It's obviously not a true story, but it is, I think, based on." So this guy, it's the directorial debut of Mike Reander, who I've just been looking up, who worked on Gravity Falls. Which, if you haven't watched Gravity Falls, it's two of the best seasons of animation ever, all available on Disney Plus. I love Gravity Falls, but. And it's got that vibe about it. But I was going to say at the end, I think it is kind of based on his family, if you like, because then at the end they have this really, I, I, I am such a sap. I'm a sap for anything. But the credit sequence was everybody's it's pictures of them with their families. It was really cute. So, you know, Danny McBride with his family, Olivia Coleman, who voices in a sort of quirky bit of voice casting. Cause it's very hard to, not think of Olivia Coleman as the queen, or generally as we. She only has one voice and one acting style. Does she voice yeah. the mum? She plays the Siri. Oh, she, oh wow! I, I didn't even notice that. That she plays the personal assistant. Yeah, she's wow. like, oh, and and that to be fair, husband with the bad taste kind of lost it at that point, and and he couldn't get back on board because he just couldn't get behind oh, yeah. the Olivia Coleman voice. <laughs> but you didn't. But there you go. Stuart didn't even recognise her, no. and I didn't. Don't listen to Stuart. Anyway. <laughs> so it is, there is this sense, like I say, that, that it's come from the you know, personal experiences of the, of the family, because there is the fact that, you know, have the parents lost, you know, they had these hippie roots, and the dad was always actually, he gave, he did sacrifice stuff for the kids, and they've never appreciated that. But um, it's it was a really jolly... <laughs> watch for a friday night family watch for a friday night and you could do a lot worse um than sit down now you're surprised you could do a lot worse now now you've said (laughs) olivia coleman all i'm thinking back to now is i'm now seeing it in my mind's eye you see her getting fingered as a monarch no no i haven't seen that i'm throwing back further in a career to when she was delivering lines on things like that mitchell and webb and stuff so that's what i'm thinking of when i think of that voice her voice in that so she's it's a throwing back to her comedy roots yeah well yes they liked um it, i don't they really liked it yeah it's a good family watch i wouldn't necessarily i think you ashley should watch another round before you watch this as a i have no intention of watching this <laughs> <laughs> person with no children 
But as I say, we really, it, was, it, was good, it was a good Friday night watch. And they also had, it does have a cute dog. I'm, I'm also a sucker for a cute dog. It's got a cute dog with like completely wild eyes. Oh, it's a pug, yeah. Laugh. The, the pig dog. Pig, a dog, pig, dog. dog we dog, call Stanley pig, pig, pig dog. <laughs> well, Measuring. Stanley is starring in this. It has as, its own pig As dog. his respiratory system sort of, worsens with age he makes noises and now we call him pig dog <laughs> in which case then, they have they have immortalized stanley for you in this in perfect this um and it's not even worth trying to explain the plot because it's insanity but it is it's it, okay. yeah it's creative insanity and if you enjoy and to be fair the lego movie is pretty manic as well so if that's oh your, my god this. I never need to take speed because just watch the fucking Lego film. Everything is awesome. Christ on a bike that freaks me out. Okay, so that that was the Mitchells versus the Machines on Netflix. Certificate you okay for kids? Weird. Um, <laughs> I know, unheard of in in the, in March the Martian household. household. <laughs> No Pulp Fiction tonight, kids. Let's talk to you. Um, uh, okay. Even your kids would find... Oh, hi, Brienne. Right on time. Yes, we are nearly finished, Brienne. It's our final, final piece. Um, we saved this for last because the best reviews are the ones where we either think it was weird or shit. And I think this is both. Um Things seen and heard has dropped on Netflix. Things heard and seen, I have to tell. Oh, sorry, I have to correct fuck. you. I think it makes any difference. Exactly. That tells you all you need to know about this shit. It should be seen and heard. Oh, let's flip it. That's artistic. That means we don't need a storyline or good acting or editing. No, it doesn't. Um, starring Amanda Seafried and James Norton. I had already put this on my watch list and Emma texted the podcast group. She's like, Ashley, this looks right up your street. You're going to watch it, right? I was like, yes, I'm excited for it. <gasps> Um, it, it looked a bit like really good trailer, looked a bit like a kind of more, more sober version of them, which was very good and scary and well-made a nice kind of amateurville horror, uh, sort of period family drama with a, a bits of supernatural thrown in there. I was very excited for it while watching. Well, let me tell you the story first. So an artist, uh, I'm getting good at this, right? Let me tell you what it's about up top. An artist, <laughs> Amanda Seafried, um, relocates to the Hudson Valley, which is a remote kind of back country, nice, simple way of life place. Um, her husband's a very big all-star kind of art history professor at one of the fancy um, universities nearby. She's suspecting her marriage is on the rocks anyway. This guy might be a bit of a shit. We're not sure why. They've got a young daughter. There's suggestions she might just be having some long running um, postnatal issues or some depression, or she's just lost her career and herself. She's maybe jealous of him. Maybe the husband's I, cheating. Maybe the place is a bit weird and has a little supernatural sort they of element make it to pretty, it. Well, they make it pretty clear that she has got bulimia. I mean, that's almost in the first yes. scene, isn't it? She is she's yeah. there at a birthday party for the daughter. She is in case she goes straight off to the bathroom and, and throws up. And this is then. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's suggested. Is she 
is she suffering because her husband is so, you know, he's awful because he makes some crack, doesn't he, like halfway through and about her friend is piling away the lasagna or something. He's just, anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah. You were doing an excellent job telling us about I that. And I was. Just <laughs> but I'm, no, I'm it's, so sorry. There's, I'm making it sound a lot better and more interesting than it is. There's, there's all this, who is it? Who isn't it? Who's the real villain here? Emma's right. It is very obvious from the beginning. He's a shit. It's him. And there's quite obviously some supernatural forces in the house. And they're quite obviously going, they've quite obviously gone through some similar shit that this couple is currently going through. I feel like what they were going for with this was a bit of a talented Mr. Ripley thing, especially when they get into the story about the husband. And that film is a cracker of a film. It is an edge of your seat whodunit with brilliant relationship stories threaded through. This is just very simple building blocks version of that story. I felt like it was a very well-made film school final piece. Um, while I was watching it, I felt that it was maybe a play or a book. It is based on a novel and it's one of those stories, you know, those books, which just while you're reading them, it's the best thing that's ever happened. You're like, I half really want to see this on screen so I can relive it again, but I know it's never going to live up to the story. I get the feeling that this would have worked very well as a book, actually. It's just been completely bastardized for the screen. The one thing that fucked me off the most, and I don't know a lot about filmmaking in a practical sense, <laughs> but the first scene at the party that you mentioned when the story was very obviously ruined, the editing in this from the bat, from that scene is fucking atrocious. And it's the kind of thing I would throw out in film school. It just completely fucks up. And, and at the end, there's a shot where Amanda Seyfried is in her, I can't give you the ending away, but there's a shot where Amanda Seyfried kind of is seen with one of the previous inhabitants of the house in a shot that is feels like it was drawn in crayon on a, on an idea sheet like it's so clunky and obvious it's really offensive to me how how poorly done this story was um wow don't hold back, don't hold back. i right, bitches, so I, a lot of them <laughs> i am not i am not i mean first of all this is possibly the least scary Film yeah. that the horror film that I've even ever the seen horrible in my life. bit with the axe, like that yeah. was even so scary. not scary. It, it, it's just, it, yeah, it, I, I don't know quite why. Because I, I was the one I was like, oh, yeah, I want to watch this. And I did, I oddly I enjoyed it. I think it's because there's a level of camp in this as well. It's like F. Murray Abrahams. In they weren't it. going for that. Don't people. get them away with that. I, <laughs> I don't think they were going for it, but I found it quite enjoyable from that point of view. What we were talking about earlier, James Norton. So I really, really loved um, War and Peace, which was James Norton. But other than that, I think he's been, he's, he, he played, he was maybe, he's been in a couple of UK things. And then he was in McMafia, but I do find James Norton an incredibly bland screen mm -hmm. presence. And actually, as much as I quite like Amanda Seyfried, as I, or I'm very fond of her in Mamma Mia, I've, I find her, I, I, find, I think, again, she's not the most charismatic. She's very of, obvious um, in this. She's on the nose, like... Yeah, and also... It's, it's, you it's have, drama and you have, school acting, isn't it? 
<laughs> with just the most like you say with this insane storyline and then when you were talking about how you felt that that scene of in drawn in crayon talking of clunky you know what i mean last scene fuck me oh my god well, with the painting yeah with the bow and the painting and it made me think of the end of Krampus and then that made me think yes! about how scary Krampus, Krampus and how much better <laughs> Krampus was than this yeah. which just is bizarrely bad makes no sense is you know it, it takes you the, the plot moves you to places which it just these things just would not happen in real life I mean and doesn't you know, like explain you say, that itself how, like drops exactly. little things in which could be interesting you're like oh okay no okay yeah the story of this of, of you know and again and it just becomes again a story about an ultimate narcissistic white man who is just making sure that he can control everybody's lives to make sure that yeah. his life is the life that he wants to live even though that's not his true life and it just it and James toxic Norton's masculinity not- ruins the party again Exactly. And James Norton is not a, he's not not charismatic enough enough actor or charismatic. I felt like he was just having to focus on his accent, which is a pretty good accent, but I just feel like maybe having to focus on keeping an American accent all the way through just, and F. Murray Abraham was, was wasted because I, I, we started watching season two of Mythic Quest and I'm reminded all over again how much I love F. Murray Abraham. So um, it just, it's just so stupid, but I did end up watching the whole thing. I saw the whole thing just because you want to see like, can this get worse? Will it redeem itself? And it, the, the former and it is true, worse. not the latter. <laughs> <laughs> not the latter. And also, bless her, Karen Allen, from Indy, from Indiana Jones pops up in this as well. Yeah. I haven't seen her in anything for so long. And I was like, oh, Karen Allen, that's great. And I was like, oh, poor Karen Allen stuck in this film. How your career has fallen. And I realized apparently, I read afterwards, it's set in 1980. I didn't even pick that up. I yeah. just thought they were they were living in some kind of, I don't know, like some kind of version of 2021 that was completely up itself where they all wore pottery shifts. Yeah, um, you get that. That is, that's the only useful bit to pick out because some of the stuff that happens, it's a lack of technology, which allows some of the horrific things to happen. It allows um, your man to get away with quite a lot of stuff. Um, This couldn't have happened in modern day. Also, if this was released in modern day normal times even with cinemas open i do not believe this would have got a cinema release it would have gone straight to a streaming service and i don't even think maybe netflix would have bought it if it had enough content to buy this might have gone straight to hbo or some shit it's a tv film 5.3 out of 10 on imdb at the moment i I, yeah it, it, it felt a bit like what did we review a couple of weeks ago run but it wasn't even but it run was better than this mm. interestingly this is directed by a husband and wife who did and the I'm shit nanny diaries. They should, not, they should not direct things together again. That's what I'm going to suggest. Just they only ever make things together. Nothing. Shari Springer Berman and Robert Pulcini, they, they did the nanny diaries of Scarlett Johansson, which was kind of acerbic and cute. I quite liked that. Um, That's basically a, a little rom com. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, this was, I think, watch it because it is almost bad enough to be entertaining. So go for it. And then just have in your mind that this is what the people who made um, uh, the talented Mr. Ripley would have come out with in film school at the age of 18. And then they went on to make that brilliant film. That's what they're going for. And it did not work. Watch it to see how unscary a horror film can be. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Catch it as up. a palate cleanser after them when you're too scared to go to bed. <laughs> that would make perfect sense. Great. Well, we have whipped through this week. Whoop, whoop. Whoop. And then we're That's saving stuff done. for next week. Yeah, so next week we've got what? What are we going? What are we going to talk about next week? Mayor of East Town, Starstruck, star which is on. The, if anyone wants to wants to get on get on board with this early, Starstruck is in, is a new six part um, comedy series on all on BBC Three, so all available on the iPlayer by a Kiwi comedian who I haven't seen. I've watched two episodes. I have the Sons of Sam, which I have things to say about, which is another sort of Netflixy serial killer fair which i enjoy and then i've got a really good new um trashy selection like a trashy not selection a trashy thing for you to try if you're missing your housewives bullcrap i would like stuart to watch the first episode of jupiter's legacy and tell me what he thinks i i will do that but i also i shall also say that if you want to see rose matafeo who's the new zealand comic you're talking about doing more things she's in a series of taskmaster on dave i can't remember which series, oh, but she's very she? good in that. I because I'd never seen her, and she is that yeah, she is a very, very charming screen presence. Having talked about people who are not so charming on the screen, she is a she's a delight in this. Um, so I will check that out, Stuart. Wonderful. Well, this week we told you about the very scary them on uh, Amazon Prime, another round which should be hitting Prime in. Actually, they're going to give it a cinema release, I think, in July. Good call. Of course, because cinemas mm. are opening in only, well, May the 17th. A few days, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So get um, out there, people. Go and support your go local and support. cinemas. Um, these Clowns Loved Invincible, a Certificate 18 animation about a superhero, Very a Certificate grisly. U animation about a super family, the Mitchells versus the Machines, and the very terrible things heard and seen on Netflix. Don't do it. <laughs> Deeply terrible. <laughs> Deeply disappointing. I was quite drunk by the end of it, I must admit. It was like a Friday night and no one, no one would watch it with me. I had to watch it alone. That was the same case for you, wasn't it? Partly with the good shouts. I was like, no way. Oh, I went to bed and watched it and fell asleep with the iPad and then had to watch the rest of it with headphones in the morning on the side table. I'm like, oh, this is, I'd rather be at work. I know it's Saturday. But... <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, thanks think. everybody for tuning in like and subscribe like and subscribe and follow like and subscribe and follow is that what you do didn't you say you need to have to hit follow mm, as well? follow you nowadays follow? yeah yeah it subscribes dead follow is the future follow is the future you heard it here fucking it first i only said nice. cunt once so there's another one for you <laughs> <laughs> just because it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the it podcast without a top and a tail for you all a top Beep. and a tail we didn't really have any gossip this week did we but next week we'll have many have more gossip yeah i'll take okay. the patriarchy to town next week don't you worry well have a lovely week guys thanks for listening okay. ciao bitches take care bye, bye. bye. bye.